0: There and welcome back, imposters, to the end of season two of the You're Not Qualified podcast. My name is Courtney Heater. I'm your host. Thank you for being here. We are on episode 37 of the whole thing. And I will acknowledge up front that I did tell you there will be another episode out next Tuesday, the last Tuesday of the month. And I am so sad to say that I lied because I couldn't make it happen. I was traveling for work, traveling for fun, and then COVID finally found me. I was able to successfully avoid getting COVID as far as I knew, you know, I, maybe I was asymptomatic or something for this whole time and I got it for the first time ever coming back from my work trip and vacation so it jumbled some things up I was not able to get that very last episode in and I sincerely apologize but I will make it up to you in the next season so this is going to be the last episode for season two of the you're not qualified podcast season three is going to pick up in the new year. So we're going to have a little bit of time off. Um, There is a possibility that I could get out, you know, maybe something bonus in there since I let you down for next week. But definitely January 5th is when we're going to start season three of the You're Not Qualified podcast. So put that on your calendars, mark it down. I'm so excited to bring this chat especially to you. Today I chatted with Julie Mendelson. So Julie is a recruiter, and by day she has her nine to five recruiting job, and then by night she is a freelance career advisor. She's been doing the freelance career advising literally since she was in college, and she's been a recruiter for a long time. She is currently a senior recruiter. So she knows what she's doing, She has some really great advice about resume writing. We get into some questions I had about questionable tactics that I found on TikTok. and We also get into being nervous about everything, especially during an interview, being nervous about your confidence, being nervous about life. Anxiety is a part of my everyday life. It's part of a lot of people's everyday life. I love Patricia. I love Patricia. Patricia is... Patricia's amazing. Patricia makes coffee nervous. We live with it. We embrace it. We do what we can. We are literally all just trying to get by. People, I promise you, we are just trying to get by. And this is a game. So Julie helps us understand the rules of the game, understand how to play the game, and understand how to hype ourselves up to win the game. Because you can. And you will. We well, talk about transferable skills. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. And we get a little bit into the, the best ways to contact people to get a job, the best ways to present yourself to get in front of the right people to get a job. It's loaded. It's amazing. It's excellent advice. I was so thankful for Julie. She is in New York. She just loves New York in the fall. So I was so bad for the people on the East Coast, especially that I interview, because they are so far away. Three hours doesn't feel like a lot, but being on the East Coast for even just a week, the jet lag is a lot. So it is a lot. Three hours is a lot of hours to accommodate, and I appreciate it because it's always much later there. I want to thank you all, before we get into this episode, for being with me for 37 episodes. This is an incredible honor to be able to bring you this content, bring you these amazing people that are doing amazing things, and chat with you about your experiences, and have a lot of really good laughs with a lot of really awesome people that I would not have met if it weren't for having this platform. So, Thank you for listening. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for being on here with me as somebody I can interview and pick your brain and make you just brain dump all over all of the listeners. I appreciate you more than you know, and I'm so excited to have this. Uh, There will be a season three. I'm in love with this, but we all need breaks, Um, so I'm going to take mine throughout the holidays. And I can't wait to see you all in January and there's already a lot of really fun content that I am planning so we'll have of course more details as it approaches closer to January 5th. I cannot wait but my throat and voice are starting to go again so uh, without further ado let's go ahead and jump into chatting with Julie. Let's go. Hey you want to bump into me on say Saturday around lunchtime? Okay, tonight or today, I guess it's tonight for us, but today we are here with Julie Mendelson. Julie has a background in recruiting and now she is also a freelance career advisor, but she's been doing that for quite a long time. And she's here to talk to us all about the, the recruiting and her freelance career and help you guys take the next step in being confident and applying for another job. So, Julie, thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. I'm really excited to get to talking to you and
0: everybody else. All the way from New York City, which is really late for you. So I appreciate yes. it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's nighttime here, but I guess it'll be day when everybody listens.
0: Yes, it will be. Um, well, I guess, you know, maybe there's some, some night owls out there. It's like yes, a midnight yeah. routine. But. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a full-time job and yes. in recruiting. And on the side, you work as a freelance career advisor. So let's kind of break this down. What does it mean to be a career advisor? You, and are you helping write resumes, etc.?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess it all started in college. Like I'll go back. I was a labor and employment relations major. So my whole college experience was really learning how to recruit, write resumes, prep for interviews and all of that. I figured that's knowledge that I could really take with me even into the real world and really help other people to recognize you know, the do's and don'ts of career, the career path. It's such a complex situation, looking for a job, writing your resume, preparing mm-hmm. for an interview. There are so many layers to it. So when I was in college, I really figured that a lot of people were looking for help, especially for internships, which in my opinion, it's the hardest thing to get, to get an internship. I think it's mm. harder than getting an executive level job because you're coming from a place of having very little experience and trying to prove yourself through a piece of paper. So I really just started by helping people edit their resumes you know, for a little bit of money, extra money in college. Um, and then it just kind of spiraled into my whole career. And like you mentioned, I'm a recruiter at a tech company. So I do this day in and day out and my expertise has only grown. So. It's been a really great experience to just be able to spread that knowledge to others.
0: Did you think of charging to edit resumes right away or did you do it for free for a little bit and you're like, Hey, I have a knack for this.
1: Yeah, I actually did it for free for a while. So I had a lot of friends that were coming to me and asking for resume advice, asking for career help, asking me to help them prep for interviews. And I was just doing it, you know, just, we had, I went to Penn state and we had something called the bank of America career services center great resource if you have any Penn Staters listening but we used to do like mock interviews and everything and I would do it pro bono because it was just you know to me a hobby but yeah eventually I was like I can probably make a little extra cash off of this and as everybody knows in college you're kind of scrapped for cash so ten dollars makes (laughs) the world of a difference (laughs) um so yeah I really started doing for free for my friends and then eventually Penn State is such a big network that I started you know charging a little bit of money, it's definitely, my services are not that expensive, but you know, definitely creates a little bit of a side hustle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And really helps people out and $10, a lot of college students can't afford.
1: Right, exactly. So definitely started out on the inexpensive side as my Mm -hmm. experience has grown, obviously everything else has as well, but yeah, in college, it was a great side gig for me. Absolutely.
0: That's really cool. Did it take up a lot of extra time?
1: Curious? A little bit.
0: Okay. Excuse
1: me. Like it definitely took up some time, but you know, as you get older and your classes not get easier, but your classes definitely get smaller and the work becomes less taxing than when you're trying to just make it and, and prove yourself. And senior year of college, I actually was fortunate enough to have a job going into graduation. Um, so the whole year, actually, at the end of my junior year of college, I had an internship. I ended up getting a full time offer. So senior year was pretty. You know, relaxed for me, which I was very lucky about. Um, Oh yeah! I was like, "What do I do with all this free time?" A lot of people do a lot of other things in college. I Mm -hmm. edited resumes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you hustled. That was amazing. That's
1: yeah, (laughs) that's
0: quite a way to use your
1: experience. And honestly, it it taught me a lot because there were things that other people taught me at the time um, that I was learning about. So it definitely prepared me a lot for the career path that I was going down.
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah. That's a really good use of time. And yeah, yeah, like as you said, very fortunate to have that kind of time as, as a senior really yes, set you absolutely. up. That's really cool. Yeah. So you are in a unique position then to see all the aspects of the hiring journey, because you, you mentioned you are a recruiter in corporate, you're a senior recruiter. So you've been in this for a while. Uh, why did you decide to continue with this um, side hobby, side gig, not really a hobby because you get paid for it, side gig along with staying corporate?
1: Absolutely. So I really wasn't doing it for a while. Like I kind of took a step back after college, mm-hmm. after I had graduated. Um, I was working at an agency before this, so I really didn't have the time. Anybody who works at a recruiting agency knows that you're working crazy hours. You're trying to hit your contest, hit your sales metrics and all of that. So I really did take a step back. Um, and really what got me back into it was my mom, who is a part of this huge Penn State alumni, Penn State parents group, like on Facebook. And people were always asking for career advice, resume editing. My mom kind of calls me up and she's like, hey, can I give these people your contact information for them to contact you? And I was like, of course. And again, I was doing it for free. So definitely did not have um, like any, anything going on behind that. Like it, it wasn't even money motivated at the time, but I was like, hey, I'm, I don't even know these people. If it was a friend, know, that would be different, but I'm I'm definitely doing work for them and it definitely takes time and dedication. So I I just kind of started picking it back up. Um, and I do have a page called jobs by Julie, but you know, that's just getting started and really trying to get into the whole official business of it all. Gotcha. And,
0: um, well definitely we can link that page. That's really cool. Is it a web page?
1: Uh, It's just an Instagram right now. Like I really do things more on a one-by-one basis. So as it grows, I'm sure there will be a website and everything that goes into it. But Mm -hmm. right now it's really just a lot of word of
0: mouth. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know what that's like. (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs)
0: Exactly. It's like kind of of how it starts, but yay on your mom. That's badass.
1: Yeah. My mom is a genius. You know, my mom's (laughs) always been my biggest supporter, my Mm -hmm. mom and my dad. Um, So for her to help me get back into this was awesome.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very cool. So being in this then for so long, you see, you see every type of candidate, you see every type of resume, I'm sure uh, from, you know, ooh, like you really should be listing this work experience, these skills that you have listed in this way, do you have any advice on, a couple of really good habits that you see or qualities that you see for successful candidates?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, like I've seen resumes (laughs) on every ounce of the scale. Like I, I used to work in construction trades when I first started my internship. So I've seen everything from like skilled laborers all the way up to what I do now, business, business executives. So really the whole, the whole scale and spectrum is there. Um, I guess like a couple of pieces of advice are just definitely include data in your resume wherever you can. Mm-hmm. So, I know that sometimes you can't always quantify everything, but if you don't have a number or metrics that you've had in the past, try to like quantify what the outcome would be. And that's something that my job has really taught me now and something I didn't really realize before I got here. So, data is a really really important piece of every job no matter what you're doing. So if you can lift 50 pounds, or if you're like producing 110% in sales year over year, those two numbers just really quantify everything. And that's something every company will want to see, Mm -hmm. especially where I work. Like a lot of the resumes that I see don't include data. And those resumes really aren't as strong because it is such a data-oriented company. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's like really big, Um, you know, obviously... You know, I know that a lot of people say, keep your resume at a page or keep it at two pages or whatever. There's really no standard rule for that. Um, Really just get all the information on there without being long-winded. You want to have bullet points. You want to make sure that you're being concise, but putting all the information in there. So if your resume winds up being a little longer than a page, definitely don't worry about it. It's something that is really, really common, way more common than people think. Mm -hmm. Um, And all you want to do is just make sure you're getting all the information out there. But that being said, like, you don't want to be too long winded. Uh-huh. I would say after, you know, after the first few years of your job, take out like your college activities, take out, you know, all of that stuff that goes into your internship application that you, ju- you just don't need anymore. Because you can fill that space with much more valuable information.
0: Yeah, that that is definitely a question that I had. How long should the resume be? That's great advice. I have seen it all across the board. I've been personally told that the one page is best if I'm personally told that you should just go with as much uh, experience as relevant, don't matter the length. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a really good, solid advice. And it, it's funny that you say that, uh, you know, take out your college experience if you are well past college, because The first thing it triggered for me is like, I'm not dating anymore. I I have a partner, but when I was dating, that was something you'd see on all these profiles (laughs) is they would have, like, I participated in like D1 wrestling or football or something, but they're like 34 (laughs) and you're like, buddy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like in a way it's really similar to creating your dating profile. Mm -hmm. What can you tell people in yes, a limited capacity while also letting people know everything that you're about. So that's why I tell people all the time, like don't include your hobbies on your resume. Um, I've seen some crazy stuff of people uh. being like, yeah, I love music festivals and I love swimming and that's cool and all, but you know, that's not stuff maybe to put on your professional resume. You wouldn't put that on your LinkedIn. You wouldn't tell your employer that right off the bat. You know, Sometimes it could be a talking point, but that's just extra information on there that takes up space. So I always say, Yes, you wanna try to keep it short and sweet and get to the point, but anything past like your college activities, your internships can stay on there up until a point. Um, But the general rule of thumb is anything within like 10 years if your post-grad should be on your resume and anything like past your first few years of college, once you get there, you should just eliminate everything, all of your hobbies, everything, organizations that you were involved in in college with the exception, you know, of certain things like fraternities and sororities can be great networking tools. Um, mm. You know, any sort of organizations that you're a part of in college that you can use for networking or create a point of conversation with an interviewer, that stuff can stay on there. But again, you don't need to go into detail about it. Those details can be used elsewhere.
0: Yeah. That's, it's so interesting that you say that. So say that somebody has a side hobby or even like a side business that has very relevant skills to what the job is that they're applying to, but you know, it's, it's not their actual job. Like maybe they have a nine to five. Should they include something like
1: that? Yeah, absolutely. As long as it's relevant. Right. So Mm -hmm. for example, if I were to talk to you about your resume, this podcast would be a great thing to put on there because Mm -hmm. it does, it is relevant to your course of work, but Mm -hmm. you know, if you were, selling bracelets on the side six years ago, I maybe wouldn't put that on your resume because it doesn't add any value to what you're trying to prove.
0: Gotcha, makes sense. So you did mention a couple of items that you shouldn't do or at least one that caught my attention. Um, You know, Don't put your personal information on there. It's not, you're not uh, actually like trying to make friends here, you're trying to get a job. Is there any other habits or qualities that you see that they should just not do?
1: Yeah. Like I definitely think when you look at a resume, the average recruiter spends, I think it's 13 seconds looking at a resume. It's really quick. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize. And people do stress so much about what's in their resume, making it perfect. And that's awesome. But The way that it's received when you're putting in an application is just so quick, especially to those larger companies, like they're getting such a large influx of applications that they're rapid reviewing all of these resumes. Mm -hmm. So like I said, you wanna get to the point as quickly as you can. A lot of times people put like that overview blurb at the beginning, that's great. Mm -hmm. Just keep it short and sweet if you're going to do that. I personally on my resume have not done that. You just wanna keep it straightforward. So you want your work experience, your education, especially because a lot of people do put their education at top. Make sure to put that after your first job below your work experience. Your work experience is going to be the most important thing on your resume and then your skills as well. So if you're proficient in Excel, if you're proficient in SQL, any of those programs that you're proficient in are going to want to go right below your work experience. And then below that should go education. If you're applying for your first job or for an internship, education should be at the top.
0: Perfect
1: advice.
0: That's so good. Do managers and hiring managers, recruiters, et cetera, actually read cover letters?
1: No. Like at least where I am, I'm at a big tech company and I can say that we personally don't require cover letters. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the places that do, like they might skim over them, but there's so much pressure that goes into cover letters from the outside. And people text me or email me all the time saying, can you help me with this cover letter? And I just say, honestly... Put a paragraph, say what you do now, say what your goals are, and that's it. Because there's really so much more stress on your experience as opposed to the cover letter. And it's stressful to write. What'd you say?
0: It's stressful to write. They suck.
1: Oh, yes, for sure. And I see a lot of like formatting online for like generic cover letter writing. And honestly, like that that's a pretty good tool to use. But for Mm -hmm. the most part, they're just looking who are you? What do you do now? And why do you want this job? Like those three things are really the only things that they're focused on the cover letter. Everything else is not as relevant. And again, that recruiter is just skimming over that cover letter if they're even reading it in the first place.
0: Mm, Yeah. uh, I'm never going to do that again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it is optional a lot. And honestly, it's optional for Mm -hmm. a reason. Like, let me tell you, it's honestly... Because most of the time it's optional. Most of the time people opt to not do it because the resume is really like the meat of what you're getting into.
0: Right. Uh, another another thing I've seen trending when I was doing a little bit of research on this and I fell down a little bit of a TikTok rabbit hole, which I'm sure oh. a lot of people do. There is this, uh, this might not even be new, this piece of advice that is out there where you go to... LinkedIn's of folks that are already at the company that you're looking for, like applying to, or like looking to join, or you go to their LinkedIn it's like, you know, the top or the, the current employees are from these schools or something. And then you copy that list, you put it in your resume, you blur it out. Like, you know, make it white, make it really light font. And then you submit your resume that way because apparently it's supposed to catch bots that will actually scan it really quick and find for relevant information, I suppose, for other candidates they're looking for. Is that bullshit?
1: <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I've never heard of that in my life. Oh, um, that's crazy. Honestly, it's I, crazy. I know that like a lot of people we'll go onto LinkedIn and like find the employees that work at the company and like spam them with, with LinkedIn messages or anything. Mm-hmm. If I went onto my LinkedIn right now, I can guarantee you just from today, I would have over like 300 messages. And honestly, I would say it's a really, really ineffective way of trying to get somebody's attention because mm-hmm. these people's inboxes are so diluted with messages of people asking for help, which is sad because truthfully, it, LinkedIn is an amazing resource. I use LinkedIn for almost my entire job. So Mm -hmm. it's such a good resource for other things. But like one piece of advice that I try to tell people is don't reach out to those people. It's not going to help. But what I do recommend is if you're applying for a job, put your resume on one side of the screen and put the job description on the other and almost play the matching game. Mm -hmm. If these are like the basic qualifications of what you're looking for, make sure that those basic qualifications and keywords are in your resume. Because like you said, a lot of these companies use AI or bots, or something that will pick up on those keywords, and it'll automatically push you to the top. So that's not to say that it's an automatic pass, but if you're playing the matching game, again, in those 13 seconds that recruiters are skimming your resume, they'll see those keywords and be more inclined to push you forward.
0: Excellent. In in that line, then, for when you're matching up and not a lot matches up, how much do transferable skills really matter in terms of somebody actually reads your resume. Somebody realizes that skill maps well enough, but maybe you couldn't map it exactly. So it doesn't catch the AI bot. Would that be very difficult to get looked at for a really high volume position?
1: It kind of depends. Like I think a lot of the time applications get lost, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. so many I know a lot of the positions I recruit for get hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of applicants. So I am looking at each resume, but like I said, like I'm just skimming through these things, looking for keywords, but there are certain job families that require like certain skills, but if it's a more generalized job, like say you wanted to go into sales and you had a background that maybe wasn't sales, but was something close, like you come from recruiting and you know that competitive lifestyle, and you know what it's like to work on commission, that kind of stuff might mm-hmm. not get picked up by the AI. But if a recruiter knows what they're doing and they're going through those applications, they can see that that might be a good transferable skill set to move forward with the application. So mm-hmm. as long as everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, that kind of stuff, and the AI really only prioritizes, it doesn't eliminate.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, like also like mentally storing and like writing all of this stuff. Oh for yeah, myself. yeah.
1: It's definitely it's tough to learn. Like I feel like I really mm-hmm. didn't learn much about the ins and outs until I went to an internal recruiting job, and I really saw firsthand. Hey, how much time am I spending going through these applications? How much attention to detail and am I giving to all of these resumes? If I sat there and read every word of every resume all the way through, I would be working forever. <laughs>
0: I can't even imagine. Yeah. You don't have time for that.
1: Exactly. Especially with all the other projects that go on in a job, especially in corporate, Mm -hmm. there's so many Mm -hmm. other things going on outside of your scope of responsibilities that you just don't have the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We have very limited time, so you got to be very selective. (laughs) That definitely makes sense. And so with your, your career advisor job, in particular your your side hustle what makes you most excited
1: um honestly the best thing for me is you know in my job in in my side job is building that trust and building those relationships with candidates or with people Mm -hmm. with clients so to me like in my job there's nothing better than calling somebody and telling them they got a job offer like it's It's making somebody else's day. It's changing somebody else's life to the point where like, yes, this is what I do every day, but that person's not getting that call every day. This could be the call that like tells them, oh my God, I'm about to get so much money that I'm going to be able to start a family and buy a house. So to me, like that's definitely my favorite part. Mm -hmm. I've met so many people throughout my recruiting career, throughout like my side career that I would never have had the opportunity to interact with, especially when I worked in my agency days. I worked in engineering and construction, so there were so many types of people that I would meet from all aspects of life who came from such interesting backgrounds. So something like that to me is just so special and getting to learn these people's stories and getting to believe in them. Like a lot of these people just want a chance, you know? So for Mm -hmm. you to be the person that gives them that chance and allows them to prove themselves is really something special.
0: Have you known of a candidate that maybe wasn't a good fit for one role, even like in whatever role that you're, you're in and you, somebody comes across and they're really excited about a role. You try to help them get it and then they don't get it, but then something else comes along, maybe even a couple of years later, have you had the opportunity to reach back out, get them a job then?
1: Absolutely. And that's even happened a lot from my last job to this job. Like people Mm -hmm. who I used to work with, who I built great relationships with came to me when I got my new job and they were like, Hey, I would love to work there. Do you have anything available? And some of those people do work here now. So it's been, it's really special to have that opportunity and to foster those relationships because it really is kind of a, a special bond when you're helping somebody move forward in their life, especially somebody who's come from so much hardship. Um, mm-hmm. it's really just, you know, a lot of these people I do try to keep in my, the back of my mind. And if they ever reach out to me, you know that LinkedIn message doesn't get lost they have my phone number they're reaching out to me directly and I'm happy to help these people as much as I can
0: yeah the people skills that you develop in your roles i mean i've worked with recruiters many people that listen to this podcast has and yeah. it's it's something that can make or break your experience so oh. when they are like human with you it means the world
1: right and that's something i really try to emphasize in my everyday life mm-hmm. is hey, some people have such horrible recruiting experiences. I know my like so many people have told me stories of recruiters that will call them the day before their interview and be like, hey, are you interested? Call them after their interview, be like, they loved you. And then they'll be like, actually, they didn't like you at all. And that's just such a bad experience. And it just makes you think that the recruiter was not coming from a genuine place. I always try to keep it real with my candidates. I always try to be as forthright and honest as possible. And I say, Hey, like, this is the feedback you're getting. This is what you need to work on and you need Mm -hmm. to work on this or it's not going to work out. And that kind of straightforwardness definitely helps to build relationships and earn the trust of the people that you're working with. And then those people are going to be more honest with you on the other end, you know? So it definitely goes both ways. It
0: means the world to just be straightforward, be blunt. I know it's harder. It's definitely harder to tell the truth to people. But right. it, yeah, as you said, it will only help them. And nobody likes to be lied to. And especially if there's something very solidly constructive, you can offer them like, hey, if you improve, if you improve your data abilities, very simple, right. you know, like you can take one, a course.
1: I say that a lot, you know, that exact line, you know, you need to improve your data, you need to be able to dive into your metrics, all of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But a lot of people don't realize and And they just have people who aren't giving them valuable feedback. They'll just say, great job. And then they'll say, sorry, you didn't get it. And that's something that I do get frustrated with a little bit. I know certain companies don't provide feedback after their interviews, but I always try to in my interview prep, which is something I do in my job and in my side job, I always try to uh, be as forthright and give as much feedback as possible. Mm -hmm. So that way these people can really hone in their skills. And even if it's not the right time for them, then how can they take that feedback and move forward with it in order to do better next time?
0: Exactly. For the like kind of tiptoeing around not giving that solid feedback, I've heard that it comes and can sometimes be like a legal decision for companies. Okay. Yeah. What does yeah. that mean?
1: Yeah. So that's something like I'm, I'm very familiar with. My company does not give feedback after the final round interview. So mm. it can be infuriating, you know? So a lot of times I try to give broad scale feedback before the interview. And, you know, unfortunately it does become a confidentiality thing. So Mm -hmm. say we were to have a debrief for a candidate and it didn't go the way the candidate hoped it would. I am not allowed to provide debrief because everything that happens in a debrief is confidential. But on the other hand, as a recruiter, it's also my responsibility to make sure that there's no shady business going on. If I have a diverse candidate that's interviewing, I'm making sure that I'm representing diversity in that, in, in that debrief. That I'm representing my candidate first and foremost, but also representing my company and respecting the decisions that they come to.
0: Gotcha. So, it, yeah, you do have to represent both both parties. That can be right. that can be difficult to balance. I would right. imagine. Yeah. But there's
1: definitely times where I, you know, feel comfortable standing up for my candidate. Say in a debrief,
0: mm-hmm. if
1: they don't feel comfortable moving forward with a candidate because of, say, a language barrier or something. I can then step up as a recruiter and say, hey, this candidate might you know, have grown up somewhere else. They speak two languages. That's such a valuable thing that we can have here. And just make sure that we're saying, hey, let's try to avoid bias here. That's something I do a lot. I do a lot of work with diversity candidates in my job. So I always try to make sure that as a recruiter, I'm not only being the recruiter and the representative, but also being a diversity representative.
0: That is really noble. <laughs> I mean, I Thanks, hope that a one. lot of people get... A recruiter like you thank Could you be, all that, that means
1: so much thank you
0: <laughs> i mean i would i would kill to have a recruiter <laughs> like you on my side um and in in that vein of you know like looking for a really good recruiter sometimes you don't get a great experience it might not be the recruiter's fault but you might right. not be picked for a job but they're at least the company i'm at companies i worked with before They will have, you know, you can only apply to jobs. You can only have, you know, three resumes in the bucket at a time, and you have to wait a year, or something like that. But don't let that discourage you. Honestly, I've been hired after applying maybe five or six times, and then a great recruiter remembered my resume and they contact me about a good relevant role, and I get the job.
1: Yep, and that happens all the time, especially now with the utilization of LinkedIn. People who really just work to expand their network. Mm -hmm. Something that I find really helpful using LinkedIn projects. So if I have a position, I put all of these people into a project. And even if the position closes or if the position gets filled or something happens, I still have that network of people that I know are interested in this role that I can reach out to at a later time. And that's not something people just forget, you know? So Mm -hmm. I've been working on the same positions at my job really since I've been here. And it comes and goes in waves, obviously. Right now in general, it's a slow time for hiring everywhere. It might not be the best time to look for a job, but once January hits and those budgets reset and everybody's ready to start hiring for the new year, those people will remember the people who treated them well mm-hmm. and the people who helped them get where they are.
0: You, you're you so full of like good information. So it makes sense <laughs> to me that you have the freelance career advisor role and I'd love to talk more about how that works then. So if somebody wants to work for, with you um, on your, your freelance business, what does the end-to-end journey look like for somebody coming to
1: you? Yeah, absolutely. It really depends what people want. So I work with a lot of people from Penn State. The Alumni Association is a really big part of how I find clients. So a lot of the time, people come to me for resume help, especially students, which is great and all, and you know, I can't guarantee them, hey, what I'm doing is gonna get you a job. What I do is I sit with them and I coach them and I say, "This is these are the changes I'm making. Anybody can send anybody a resume to do. But for me to like sit there and coach them through it will give them skills that they can take with them beyond and use going forward. So mm-hmm. they might use those skills to try to get an internship and then they might use them again to try to get a job in a few years. Another aspect that I really utilize is, Interview preps. So, sitting with people and almost confidence coaching them because so many people get so nervous, and interviewing is such a daunting and scary thing for so many people. Nobody likes to interview, even myself. I'm a recruiter and I don't like to interview, but obviously, it's a necessary evil. And as long as you have the confidence and composure, people will see that. And that goes a really long way. It almost goes longer than a resume. Once you pass the resume review stage, and you get to the interview really it's all about how can you prove yourself how can you talk about your experience in depth and really just confidence is the biggest biggest thing so in my interview preps i try to coach on that as much as i can
0: mm. confidence is huge confidence is really hard to learn
1: absolutely and then also negotiating you know i i of course help people with that that's really more of the stuff that i do included I don't charge for helping people negotiate in their jobs. That's really just advice that I give out. But oh. that's something that I, I've given to a lot of people that I know personally, where I'm like, hey, you literally have nothing to lose. The worst thing they can say is no. And if a company rescinds your offer for trying to negotiate, that's against the law and you can see them.
0: <laughs> oh, good to know. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, that.
1: No, you literally have nothing to lose.
0: Okay. Uh, can, I don't know. Well, yeah, l- l- I was going to say, I don't know if I want to like, ask this, but I do, I'm really curious. So in terms of those who do not like just negotiate out the gate or plan to out the gate and you kind of have to push them along, is the demographic usually female, those identifying as female?
1: You know, I I really can't even say because I don't have the data right in front of me, but I will say that females tend to be a little harder on themselves, right? They don't, we're still playing catch up in this day and age, being females in the workplace. And I remember talking to a coworker of mine a while back and realizing that coworker and I were the same age, came from the same education, were in the same major and he Mm -hmm. made $15,000 more than I did. And that was so frustrating to me. And I remember being so upset with myself because I said, I didn't try to negotiate at that time. Mm -hmm. I was so thankful to have the opportunity that I was like, I'll take it and run, but Mm -hmm. if I, had negotiated, I would probably be in the same place. And it's not that they're saying this person's male, this person's female, but men tend to, and this might just be an overgeneralization, tend to have that confidence and that forthrightness, if that's even heard, um, <laughs> to be able to ask for what they want. And that's something as females, we're so grateful for the opportunity that we're still trying to pay, play catch up in that aspect.
0: Yeah, I, that's like so painful, but it's so true um, statistically and, you know, anecdotally now from your experience, I have uh, one very good friend is a recruiter of mine. And I did mention to her in one role I was offered, I was like, it wasn't even on the table to negotiate. Like they didn't even like leave room for that. And she's like, no, that's a tactic that's always on the table.
1: Always, always on the table because truthfully, a lot of companies will come in lower than they think
0: because Mm -hmm. they think
1: a lot of people aren't going to ask to negotiate. So almost always, unless people say, hey, there is no room for negotiation very explicitly to your face when they give you the offer, there's always that room. You Mm -hmm. literally have nothing to lose. The worst thing they can say is no. So negotiating is such a valuable skill.
0: Damn, I, that's something that I, I definitely need to get better at than even like in yeah. um, reviews, you know, like your yeah. annual review, negotiating the raise.
1: Absolutely. And that's something that so many people get nervous to ask. But truthfully, mm-hmm. even if you are, say, an underperformer, if you are an underperformer and you have your review coming up and you want to ask for a raise, gather every side project you've ever worked on, every aspect that you can put into advocating for yourself. That's something that my mom really taught me. You really need to advocate for yourself in every aspect of life. Even if you think that it might not go the way you want, at least you tried. So in your review, get together, not just like your results that you've delivered, but also get together anything that you've done. If you've worked on a side project for diversity, if you've helped with philanthropy within your company, anything like that, that can take you to the next level is going to be a talking point.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's, that's a problem that I have is one understanding and quantifying the value add and, you know, understanding what is valuable to the company and what you should mention. But I, I keep a spreadsheet of everything I do now. And like, even if one person says, Thank you for helping me on this. I literally write it down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, that's really what you have to do. Actually, when I started at my job that I'm at now, somebody taught me keep track of every single thing you do. I have trackers for everything. I manually track every single step of my day, because Mm. if somebody ever comes to you and says, what are you doing? You have it all there. You have all the data. You can take that data and then apply it to whatever you're trying to do next.
0: Yeah. It's, it's incredible. People just ask, ask for what you're worth. I had, um, one, uh, story about that very short. I was in one of my first corporate jobs and very, very, very new for asking even for like a minuscule amount of a raise, but I was doing so much work in that position and like literally creating a new program that I asked for, um, I think it was like $8,000 more than I was making and didn't think I would like even, you know, see the light of day on that ask and people would scoff at me, but they gave it to me.
1: <laughs> right.
0: They're like, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, you wait a second.
1: To lose. So to me, like sometimes you don't even realize how underpaid you are mm. until you see what else is out there. So I always recommend for everybody, like you might not be looking, but look on Glassdoor compare what other companies are doing. And yeah, there's a difference between a huge tech company and a small startup and what they're going to be able to pay you. But there are different benefits to that. Some people like that smaller environment and being a big fish in a small pond. And sometimes people just want to swim in the ocean. So it really depends on what the company is capable of providing. Obviously, you need to be respectful and not ask for a million dollars when you have a year of experience, but Mm -hmm. there's an in-between there and you should always shoot for the stars because I I learned something in my sales class at my last job. And it was, if the first thing that they say is yes, then you didn't shoot high enough. So like, if you ask for a hundred K and they're like, that's great. Then you should have asked for 110. You did not go high enough. And that was something that really stuck with me because it's so true. If they say yes on the first try, you could have gone higher.
0: Yeah. So ask for high and then back it down with them. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Okay.
1: And you can even it with, hey, I'm flexible, but this is really what I'm looking for.
0: And about the the companies that will not give you a range. So say like, okay, what is the, the range that you're hiring for, for this position? And they rebuttal with no, we need to know what you're expecting. What is that about?
1: Yeah, that's something I do every day because unfortunately, pay transparency laws are not everywhere. So a lot of companies say you can't disclose what we're paying because of confidentiality and legal reasons. So there is a good reason behind it. We're not trying to shortchange anyone. We're really not. But I'll be honest. If somebody says, hey, I'm looking for 80K and the range for the job is 150K, I'll say, hey, that's great. I'm going to try to get you this much because you are way under the range and I want you to be able to get as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. But that also comes from being a, an advocate, you know, a recruiter is the candidate advocate and you want to be as forthright and honest as you can. You're not trying to like shortchange anybody because it doesn't benefit you in any way.
0: Yeah. And in, in the moment that they might find out that they were, you know, hired at something that was way below the pay band, that wouldn't sit right.
1: Right. And I've been there before, so I get it. And that's super frustrating, but mm-hmm. truthfully I hardly ever see people who are so beyond out of range for what I'm recruiting for or for what I'm looking for. I mean, there have been times where people will say I'm looking for $300,000 a year and the position only pays a hundred. And I'll even tell them, I'll be like, Hey, I'll, I'll be transparent. You are nowhere near the range. I can help you. You're looking more at these kinds of positions instead but anything here is not going to suit what you're looking for and then they'll say okay well I can be flexible so what is it that you have
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know sometimes people ignore that rule of not giving the range I personally stick really strong on it just because it's a legal thing mm-hmm. it's an interesting topic to talk about pay ranges but luckily a lot of companies and a lot of states are implementing pay transparency laws so I think as time goes on, that thing will become more a lot more obvious. Plus you yeah. can always look glass door.
0: Yeah, exactly. You you can always you can always find it. And yeah. I know that California just passed a lot where even for the um what is it called? The the job description, they have to list it.
1: Yeah, and that's something that I had to go in and update all of my job descriptions for Colorado and for California, I think it is. Ooh, so Colorado too. You can see those ranges, especially if it's a virtual position, those ranges have to be listed on there. So if it's not, they legally have to tell you what that range is.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So those permanently remote positions, you mean?
1: Yeah. So if a position is listed as a virtual position, not based out of any state, not based out mm. of... Any specific hub, they are legally required to tell you that because those pay transparency states are included in virtual.
0: Interesting. Do you know if that law started when the pandemic started?
1: I think it's been within the last year, honestly, because I just had to go in and update my job descriptions. So. I think it just went into effect in 2022, but I could be wrong. So don't quote me on that, even though this is being recorded.
0: <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. But it might, it might line up, I guess, with the the trending of way more people working remotely full time.
1: Absolutely. But, That's something yeah. I'm seeing more of, you know, a lot of remote positions. Almost every position I recruit for is remote um, mm. and I work in big tech. So I hope that that sets a good example for other companies. Because truthfully, if COVID taught us anything, it's that anyone can do their job from home. Well, maybe not anyone, but a lot of corporate people can do their job from home.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I have the option personally of doing it remote or non, and I feel like I get more work done remotely, but I know not everybody is like that.
1: Right. A lot of times when you go into the office, there's like a lot of chit chat and little things that take up your time that you don't even realize. And when you're home, you, it really is a much more efficient thing, but you also want to be sure to set boundaries of mm-hmm. making sure you're not working 12-hour day. Um, for somebody like me who works on West Coast time, my hours can get a little weird sometimes. Yeah. But you have to just make sure that you're setting that boundary from the beginning and especially with your employer and saying, hey, I have a family, I have this, I cannot be working these kinds of hours. And people are almost always really respectful of that.
0: Be transparent. Be honest.
1: Exactly. That's like the real really big thing in every aspect. Like I feel like if anybody takes anything away from this episode, it's just be transparent, be honest, and be confident.
0: Yeah. That's that's perfect advice in life too. <laughs>
1: yeah. 100%. Yeah, I try <laughs> to go by that. So,
0: all your relationships, you you did touch on and we talked about it just momentarily for Not reaching out to folks on LinkedIn, you know, specifically recruiters, because you have 300 messages in your inbox and nobody can sift through that. You're already doing your job. So for those people who are looking for a way in, and the background of this is I have interviewed other folks on this podcast that mention Applying via resumes and applying via you know like apply here buttons literally on websites yeah. and all of that it's kind of gone out the window and just reaching out to internal people within the company getting to know them internal hiring managers and then like kind of putting your your feelers out say hey I'm looking for a position like this and I notice one is open what do you think about that approach as a recruiter when you're supposed to be that first line.
1: It's so complicated because recruiters, especially at big companies, recruit for such a small like circle of jobs. So mm. if I work within like the business line and or if I only hire for sales, I can't help somebody who's like an SDE trying to find a job, unfortunately. And there's so many recruiters at these big companies that I don't even think I can point you in the right direction to try to help. Oh. When things just get so flooded. A lot of times I I do recommend, yes, look for a point of contact, but if you can find that person's email, you're so much better off emailing them saying, or if you know somebody at a job, having them refer you a referral is really, really key. I always say Mm -hmm. life is all about who, you know, and fostering relationships and networking. That's something that I, I was taught in college that stuck with me. And it really is true that it's all about who, you know, unfortunately, And a lot of times that comes to the disadvantage of so many people, because if you don't know anyone, how do you get in? And that's where applications come into play. And, you know, that those kinds of networking events, a lot of these big companies do host networking events that anybody can go to. So there's so many opportunities out there other than just spamming people with emails, spamming people with LinkedIn messages that you, that people should utilize, get creative with it. You know, as weird as it sounds, you know, just get creative and do something to try to stick out because these recruiters are getting flooded with messages.
0: Yeah, that's excellent advice. Just get creative. Um, There's, you know, of course, not everybody can take an unpaid internship or an internship, but there are ways where you can just go to a happy hour that you know it's being hosted or if you have a friend of a friend that you realize that you have you know that second tiered connection Mm -hmm. has to be connected Mm -hmm. um yeah there's lots of ways
1: I always say to people like never be afraid to ask I have people who I went to elementary school with who I have not spoken to in years and years and years who will reach out to me on Facebook and say hey saw you were a recruiter for this company, would love to chat. or And honestly, most of the time I do because these are people who I have connections with, they got creative with it and I respect that. So not everybody's gonna do that and not everybody's even going to feel comfortable reaching out to those people. But the, like as a recruiter and you know, as a career advisor, I think that there's nothing better than when somebody really shows the drive and that they're motivated to want this.
0: Yeah, I, I will back that up with some serious data for this podcast, because every time I reach out to somebody or they reach out to me, I am so excited. They are so excited. I've honestly never had anybody that I asked to be on this podcast say no. Yeah. Um, well, except for one of my best friends, but that I'll let that go. I was, cause I wanted her on here. She, cause we, we did some really cool stuff together this summer and she's like, nobody wants to listen to my voice. I was like, nobody <laughs> wants to listen to anybody's
1: voice. That is so funny. Yeah. Like <laughs> briefly, again, it goes even, even into that negotiating thing. Like the, yeah. the worst thing somebody can say is no. So yeah. you literally have nothing to lose. I think that that's such a rule of thumb in your career, in your life and everything like the worst thing people could say is no, or, and if they make fun of you, or if they do something, you know, that sucks, then they're obviously not the kind of person that you want to move forward with. So, you know, you're the better person in that situation because you took that risk and that mm-hmm. risk is going to get you somewhere eventually, even if it's not now, even if it's not hundred tries from now, that is ultimately going to come into your favor and help you.
0: Exactly. It's so confusing when people make fun of others these days. Anyways, it's like, we're not in high school anymore.
1: Agreed. And honestly, I always say like having gone to Penn State, you know, I'm from Long Island. So a lot of people that are from Long Island also went to my college and people just grow up. And, you know, ultimately I- I'm willing to help anybody who's asking, who's going to ask for it. Even if it's a friend of a friend of a friend, they reach out to me directly. I'm going to be willing to help them.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause you're a good person,
1: Julie. That's Thank why. you. I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: so I have one more kind of a deep dive question for you here yeah and it, it ties it up a little bit with what we've been talking about but say somebody wants to make a career pivot we talk a lot about that on this podcast and I'm sure that you talk to a lot of people that want to make a career pivot and it's into something that they didn't do before Um, An example that I've seen here is like customer service agent to a program manager. How do people sell themselves for these roles that they traditionally are not qualified for as an external hire, especially?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Honestly, at my company, we always say we are interviewing you for the company first and the position second. So perfect example, my boyfriend who also happens to work at my company, very kosher. We were dating before he started working there. (laughs) He came in having come from like an account executive position. So he was looking for almost sales type roles, um, but then really kind of realized that that wasn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to make a pivot. So when he interviewed for the company now, he most companies have like a very extensive recruiting process. And in the interviews, these interviewers are trained to, notice things like that. This person might be a better fit in another position, but at this company. So he's actually a program manager now where I work. Um, But having come from that account executive background, he didn't have all the skills that would really come for a classic program manager. Mm -hmm. But because he went into that interview, he showed his confidence. He showed how he was able to utilize data and able to really tie things in together and be very solutions oriented. They really saw something in him that said, I think he'd be a great fit for this role, a role he didn't even know he wanted. And now that he's in that role, he's so happy he didn't get the original role that he had interviewed for. So I really think it's all about how are you able to transfer your skills to what you're looking to do next? So many times you don't even realize that there's a connection there, but there almost always is unless you're going from being like a professional rollerblader to being an account executive at a top company, you know, that's that's kind of tough. But most of the time, there's always going to be a connection there. And interviewers are really just looking for, is this person able to utilize what skills they have currently and learn quickly? So as long as you're able to show that in an interview and provide examples of things that you've learned over time and learned quickly and initiatives that you've been able to implement in your own life that will just further your knowledge and your skill sets, I think that that's so crucial. And every company is going to want to see that out of every single one of their employees, but most of the time they will steer you in the right direction then. I love
0: that so much because it also ties into coming in confident, being transparent with what you already know with yeah. your background. Because if you you know, try to fib your way through it, or if you're really nervous about being fully qualified, that's part of the role as of a recruiter and the hiring managers and those interviewing you, right? They're like, "Is are they a great fit for this? Or like you said, are they a great fit for this company, but just in this other role?
1: Exactly. And that's something that's so big is coming in with the confidence to know that you can do it is bigger mm-hmm. than anything else. So as long as they see that, everybody's just kind of I don't want to say BSing, but kind of BSing their way through life. Especially when you come out of college, you literally know nothing. So everybody starts from the same point at the same time. And as long as you have the confidence to know that you can do it and be able to learn whatever's coming your way and ask good questions and find the right mentors and all of that, you can really take that run and get wherever you want to get. So even if you're not fully qualified for a position, prove how you can be and prove how you can, take what you have currently and build on that and show how you can move forward.
0: Yes, yes. And do that in your current roles too if you want to exactly. get promoted. Yeah, look for exactly. mentors
1: always. make it till you make it. Like somebody told me that and I believed it. And honestly, as long as you, even if you fake that confidence, people will be drawn to that.
0: They will. It'll, it'll make you much more um, approachable too.
1: Exactly. And people like to talk to people that, they feel like they can almost banter with that they feel that they can connect on a certain level with. Yeah. So be personable. I always say that that's super important as well. Obviously you want to keep it professional, especially in an interview. I've had people get too comfortable, but if you're being personable, being confident and everything, there's really nothing that you can't do. What do they like take
0: their shoes off or something?
1: I've had people say some crazy things <laughs> in interviews like cursing and you know, oh no somebody, they're telling the story of their divorce in an interview and you know, some bad things, you'd be surprised, but keep it professional, but keep it personal. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I, that's like something I tell people in my interview preps all the time, like never get too comfortable because interviewers will try to make you feel really comfortable, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. to make you slip up, but just to make people feel comfortable. Interviewing is a nerve wracking thing.
0: And it's nerve wracking for the people doing the interview too. Like the people, right. you know, like, like interviewing.
1: Well. And that's yeah. something people forget a lot of the time. Like the interviewer is nervous too. They want to fill their position. Like, everybody's in a rush to get the next best thing, right? The next best candidate, the next best position, all of that. So everyone's nervous all the time. And I think it's something that's really not talked about enough.
0: I agree. It's not. We're all just like trying to figure it out. Nobody knows 100% what's going on ever.
1: Agreed. We're just trying to figure it out together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I like that. Everybody's nervous all the time. That's like me and my miniature schnauzer in a nutshell. (laughs) We're just (laughs) always nervous
1: all the time. Exactly. And honestly, it's so normal. I think like normalize being nervous, right?
0: Yeah. Normalize it. Own it.
1: Exactly. And honestly, just once you realize that everybody is just nervous all the time, it makes your life a lot easier because then you're like, okay, it's not as weird that I'm so nervous. I get nervous walking to the grocery store. So, you know, it happens. (laughs)
0: Same. I mean, you also live in New York city and I mean, sometimes it's kind of nerve wracking
1: walking down the street. Oh yeah. In New York city, anything can happen. It's a little chaotic.
0: (laughs) Organized chaos. I think.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Sometimes organized,
0: (laughs) sometimes organized. Yes. Uh, well, Julie, I, I lied when I said one more question, because this is actually the last question. <laughs> so sorry. where can people find you and your freelance contact info? I know that you said you have an IG.
1: Yeah, of course. Anybody can connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, just at Julie Mendelssohn, um, or you can follow me at jobs by Julie. That's really where I do a lot of my freelance work. That's where I get in touch with people. So Happy to help anybody who wants to reach out or even if you just want to chat, I'm happy to talk careers with you for free. I'm not going to charge you for a conversation. So um, <laughs> anybody who wants to reach out to me, you're more than welcome to. Like I said, you have nothing to lose.
0: Yeah. And I can attest that you're you're very open and welcoming because we started chatting on LinkedIn or no, Instagram.
1: That's right. Yeah, yes. Instagram was how we met. So really, I- I'm really open to talking to people. I'm happy to provide any advice, even if people just want to, you know, Talk more about what I said on here, I'm, I'm happy to.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for your time tonight, Julie. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure talking to you.
0: Welcome to the end of an episode, the end of episode number 37, the end of an era, which sounds so dramatic to say, but what am I, what is this without the dramatics? This was hopefully for you a really, really, Good way to wrap up this season. Very tangible advice for building a resume, building your skills when needed, selling yourself, having the confidence to sell yourself. And seriously, cannot stress this enough, it's a game and you've got this. Just learn to play it and if anything, Grow your confidence in any possible way you can. And if you feel like you're still not confident walking into something, it's okay to be nervous because we're all so nervous. We're nervous monkeys on a floating rock and nervous miniature schnauzers on a floating rock. It's just what we are. And you can own it. it. It's an exciting time to be alive because we're all in this together, this chaotic world that we're living in but we're here to help you. We're all here in this to help you and you're here to help other people too. There's more in you than you know. I can't believe this is the end of another season. I wasn't sure I would ever get here. I wasn't sure if I would love this, but I do. I'm excited that we're wrapping it up again because that means that a lot was done. There's been new episode editions with the last Tuesday of every month. Some of my dearest friends joining me there for more advice and reading your emails and your experiences. Thank you so much for submitting those. I'm going to carry that into the next year. So as I said, we start the season three, January 5th, and we'll just pick it up there with the last Tuesday of every month again during the season reading your emails. That means please email me and DM me and or all of your experiences with imposter syndrome. If you have gone through a really intense career change that you feel tested you, that you feel that is a story you would love to share to help other people, send it on in. ynqpod at gmail.com. Or I can be found on Instagram at ynqpod. I'll link all the other socials in the show notes. I'll link where to find Julie in the show notes, but please get in touch. I know that we're ending for a couple of months, but in those couple of months, I will be as active as possible. But if you're listening to this and you feel so inclined, please just send them on in. I am so excited to read them. And then, of course, include them. I'll include them in the uh, episodes next year, which is crazy to think. It's already the end of October. Happy Halloween in advance. Happy Thanksgiving in advance. Happy Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy what you celebrate. And I hope that you enjoy all of this time with your family. And it's it's a very special thing to be able to still be with family and friends. So... Please enjoy them. Soak up the moments. Don't let stress run your life too much. Soak it up. Enjoy your life and live a little bit. All right. I was really excited about one little tidbit that I confirmed with Julie after we got off the call. So about networking here, we chatted a little bit about networking, making sure you get yourself out there, you know, do some fun things, have confidence in yourself, put it on the line. Well, you know. This wasn't necessarily putting it on the line, but it was definitely putting yourself out there. So I posted a photo on Instagram on my YNQ pod IG handle and I tagged Demois in it and I mentioned Demois very, very briefly. a little call out in a couple episodes back, I think it was. Shout out Demois. we, we love her in my in my friend circle. Um, and you know, we don't know who who they are believe it's her, but you know, we don't know. So Demois uh, reposted that photo and Dumois has thousands, maybe even up to a million followers now, tons, probably millions, so many followers. And uh, Julie saw the post and was like, what's this podcast? And reached out. So that was so cool. She, she saw that post and she was brave and confident and she reached out to chat and see if we could collaborate here and it was so so cool to see that but a little tidbit that networking is like really interesting and, and pays off in a weird ways sometimes but it's very exciting and i was just giddy i encourage you to get out there and do the same i would not leave you without your trivia this is a great episode to wrap up the season wrap up these 30 plus episodes because it is a nice little box, put it in a box, tie it with a bow, that is your resume, that is your confidence and your skill building and your career building and your networking all here. So go forth, my children, go forth and take this information. But I was really curious, which is also another great way to end this, how many people change their jobs in a lifetime so how many people are looking for another job applying redoing their resume which is a bitch and sending it out into the universe into the ethers and trying to get some bites into the great ocean of career finding it is estimated that most people will have 12 jobs during their lives but in the last year alone and Granted, the last year is unlike a lot of our current history. But in the last year, 32% of those 25 to 44, so 32% of those people aged 25 to 44, have considered a career change. Since starting their first job after college, 29% of people have completely changed fields. That 29%, I believe, is also just for this last year. I did see a statistic... Just the other day, that was somewhere around, I think 60% have completely changed fields. I believe it was in the book Skills the Common Denominator, which I will link um, because I'm reading it and it's amazing. I highly, highly recommend it. The author was also on this podcast. So she is also amazing, but I'll link it. Uh, Asha, shout out. But it, I believe, I think she said around 60 but huge huge amount of people are looking for a new job and that just makes this even more relevant so that means share share this episode if it resonated with you if you think that a friend could benefit from it if you find that it is helpful for really anybody and it would mean the world to me okay well friends imposters this has been a blast of a season. I can't wait for what the new year brings. Email me, keep in touch, DM me, I'll be around, and I can't wait to see you again soon. Bye!